Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. The Around the League Podcast gets baited into interceptions. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. What up? How you doing? We have one... I feel like you forgot someone. Well, we, I did <laughs> I did not forget, because this man gets his own introduction. He is the host of Around the League Live on NFL Network. He is uh, the hero of the Red Zone coverage, which is wildly popular. He is also the... One of the most important men in the dynamic of the NFL media newsroom, he is Andrew Siciliano. I'm glad you added in the dynamic of the NFL media newsroom as opposed to in the grander scheme of things in other places in the building. Thank you, gentlemen. How are you? You're starting small, but you are, you carry a big weight here in the newsroom. I mean, your voice, it travels. We all I sit together. just say I'm a loud you-know-what. <laughs> we, we all sit next to each other and near each other, and I have a tendency to just shout out random opinions during the middle of the <laughs> afternoon and pick fights with people on the other side of the room. You did create my favorite game show of the year before or after Lane Ki- or, uh, Monty, Monty Kiffin's birth. Kiffin's birth. <laughs> we we sat in the newsroom a couple of weeks ago. And when was Monty Kiffin born? 30? I, think, I believe it was 1940. I think it was right before Pearl Harbor. And we sat there with... Um, John Marvel, one of our steamed, esteemed rather, and steamed at times, um, <laughs> newsroom executives, and we, and we sat there. Michael Berger as well, who produces around the league live. Uh, Jason Brooksby, who does the same, and we sat there and we were throwing out World War II timeline events and trying to figure out was it before or after. Monty Kiffin's birth. Shockingly, the Monty <laughs> Kiffin era didn't work out in Dallas when you could play this game involving a seventy-something-year-old man. And, it's fa- and and obviously, and it's even more fun if you then throw in Dick LeBeau's birth. Oh, Ooh, yeah. right. And and before or after or between Kiffin and LeBeau. Again, now these you, are only for World War a II. A tight junkies. historical window. Right. Now you're getting into yes. crystal knocked. Uh, <laughs> Andrews. T- 
tips that he just shouts out that are useful. Sometimes we end up using them. You'll just, I like that we'll just hear a random stat. You'll be like, the Cleveland Browns have not won a game east of the Mississippi since 1977 after November 15th. Just I, I things like that. I believe since the 64 championship. <laughs> the, um, you, you know what it is? We have such a great research staff as well. And, Craig, you're on top of this stuff. You guys all are. But our, our research staff, Drew Christensen, Bill Smith, Adam, whose name I can never pronounce, um, uh, Jeff, Jeff's crew, when, when the research comes in, I sit there and, yeah, I get geeked up over it. I pour over this stuff and, and – I usually tweet it out incorrectly because I, I need two takes for every tweet. It's not just sports, though, because you'll throw out a development in, like, eastern Iowa, I, some I crime that a, happened. in like total news junkie. So, yeah, if I see a headline, woman stabs man with squirrel, which there was one yesterday. Which is awesome. I will shout it out. Skin. And normally it's in Florida at this point. And uh, Lindsay Rhodes will look at me and kind of roll her eyes. Please shut up. I'm trying to write a show. And you guys will eat it up. You guys love it. And so it's kind of, I will say it over, through Lindsay, because she sits between us, all of us here. And Lindsay might look up and say, really? And you guys will turn around. That's awesome. What kind of squirrel were you? <laughs> frozen? <laughs> I hope it's frozen, because those things, forget it. Or okay. dead. All right, so we have <clears throat> we have a lot of stuff to get to. We, we spoke with Brandon Marshall earlier this morning. We're going to play that back for you. That was quite delightful we'll go into we'll get into some preview of uh the upcoming divisional round games but why don't we start and the gold standard behind the glass let's get going with the headlines all right boys let's start with michael vick uh speaks out he's likely moving on from the eagles and his quote i'm not finished see a starter in september somewhere he's going to be a stopgap for somebody i would imagine uh, it's a pretty weak free agent class, and we keep hearing as strong as this college class was supposed to be, everybody's picking holes in it now. So I'd imagine Vic ends up with the Jets, the Raiders, Texans, somewhere like there as a stopgap guy. I mean, he's been dropping those breadcrumbs for weeks with the quotes of, I'm comfortable here, I love this team, I love Chip Kelly, but I still think I can play. I mean, Dan, we talked about the Jets as like a, an, an interesting nesting spot if he, if he moves on. Yeah, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think if you know Woody Johnson, what Woody Johnson likes to do in the offseason, uh, making a splash, getting the back page of the post, Vic would do that, and this would obviously be one of those examples where it would actually make some sense, too. You would push Geno and then give yourself some cover. Mm. If uh, Even if Smith wins the job out of camp, you have somebody you can go to, and it's not an undrafted free agent that is a CBS commentator's son. You know, it would be a much better situation. And you have the morning, morning wag connection. Oh, Marty Ball. Well, now, I don't know if that's good or bad. Is we he, don't know. Was he tired of Vic? I, I, yeah, I can't answer that one. But did, did you guys read the New York Times piece yesterday as well? which seemingly came out of left field. She and she did expose the fact that Michael Vick ran a, a dogfight. I, right? I had never heard of that before. <laughs> and, and listen, I, I'm not making light of it in any way whatsoever. But I don't know how he'd be accepted in New York is what I'm saying. You don't I, think enough time has listen, passed? I think personally enough time has passed. However, and again, we're not digging up his past crimes here. It is a part of his history. It is who he is. It is something that... To his credit, he has done a fantastic job in the last number of years since he got out of prison and he got the job in Philadelphia to rehabilitate his image. He has done all the right things. And I do believe, having sat with him more than once, that it's sincere that he truly is apologetic. There are people who are upset they got caught and there are people who understand the wrongs of their past 
actions, their, their, of their ways. I think Michael is the latter. However, once he goes somewhere, whether it's New York, hmm. whether it's Cleveland, whether it's the Bay Area, wherever it is, it will get dug up again. And this New York Times thing, I think, is proof of that. Hmm. That doesn't mean there's going to be enough of a public outcry where that team in that market would say, you know what, we don't want to touch him. But I think we've gotten in this comfort zone now in Philadelphia where we forget this is still there. And I think it may play a role. I'm not saying it should be held against him anymore, but I think it may play a role. I like that Philadelphia has suddenly been hoisted up as the most forgiving city. (laughs) Well, it's also been time. How many years has it been now? You're right, and it matters which city. Bay Area, New York. Not going to work. Well, New York, I don't know. Bay Area, no way. Those are places that groups are going to get. Fired up. I don't think it's going to stop. I mean, they signed Tebow, and I'm not saying Tebow, Vic. You can't compare the two. I'm just saying I don't think they're going to be worried about a PR backlash if they think it's the right thing for their football team. Bengals owner Mike Brown buried within a Sunday Sunday preview story that West dug out when dug up when things were great and the Bengals, you know, every, everybody was positive about what could happen. Mike Brown had said that he wanted Colin Kaepernick over Andy Dalton. This was internal conversations. And now this looks a little strange now after a, a destructive Dalton performance. He did. He preferred Kaepernick's athleticism, which is obviously superior to Dalton's. They had concerns about Kaepernick's accuracy and how long it would take to develop him. Uh, if you remember at the time, Carson Palmer was their quarterback but had stated he was never going to play there again. They needed somebody who was going to come in and play right away. They felt that Dalton was that guy. Who is they, though? I thought Mike Br- it's a little weird because Mike Brown is ultimately the guy that's supposedly making the decisions. Bingo. Jay Gruden pushed hard for Dalton, thought he would be the perfect fit for his West Coast offense. There were reports before the draft even that Gruden loved Dalton. Well, this is one of those cases where it actually lines up with all the pre-draft speculation because you remember at the time people thought the Raiders were going to take Kaepernick there and that the 49ers had to trade ahead of the Raiders and the Bengals because the Bengals were interested in possibly taking Kaepernick, but they liked a couple guys, so they weren't going to move out of their spot. And that pretty much changed the fran- those three franchises. I find it interesting in Cincinnati that the situation with Dalton has the 15 or so teams in the league, fans of those teams that don't have any trace of a quarterback, saying, at least we're not the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 they're... There are a million, a million is an exaggeration, clearly. There are plenty of teams that would be very happy to take Andy Dalton right now. That's where the, that's why the Bengals are kind of stuck, because there's no veteran, I mean, to the previous conversation about the dearth of quarterbacks on the free agent market, there's no veteran that you can bring in that you could say right now would beat Andy Dalton out. Is there? Uh, that's uh, in the free agent market? No the free way. agent market. No and, way. And that, that's including Matt Schaub, assuming he's released. Um, that's including Michael Vick. That's, uh, I mean, Chad Henney. There, there's no one out there that's going to beat Andy Dalton now. Yet, well, Mark Sanchez. But Mark on. Sanchez will not beat him out either. <laughs> oh, okay. So what do you do? What well, do you do? He's in the last year of his contract. He clearly, at this point in his career, has not been good enough to take you to the next level. In his three playoff losses, he has played poorly. It's not just that they've lost. No, he has played poorly in all three. Are you going to go draft a quarterback in the second round and say, Andy, yes. this guy's – I think you have to. Yeah. This guy's looking over your shoulder. But are you really to the point where you say midseason after one of his classic two, three-game streaks where he goes in the dumper that you're going to bring in <laughs> this 
second round guy. If he's looking good, I mean, Andy Dalton's a second round guy. I, I understand. He's still only two quarterbacks in the NFL threw for more touchdowns this year: Manning, Breeze. Right. He he's he's that guy that's good enough, but hasn't done anything yet. And you just in this day and age, how quickly do you do you? Get rid of the guy. Yeah, he did that so unremarkably. I feel like he's like the most boring girl in the room, and you're like, I'm dating the most bo- boring girl in the room, and I'm about to get married. Or do I just <laughs> completely vanish from town and get out of this situation? <laughs> but like, he threw going for deep 4, into the Sessler recesses. Real, real quickly, Jay Gruden did address this today on uh, 700 WLW in Cincinnati. Nice plug. You, you sound like you could be a radio guy in Cincinnati. That Lance been McAllister, for, when I lived in Cincinnati, was known as the shotgun Lance McAllister. What, what, by the way, what are those call letters again? I liked how you said it. WLW. WLW. So he said that basically he gave the Rick Pitino treatment. Aaron Rodgers isn't walking through that door. Yeah. And he told Bengals fans, you have to appreciate what you have. And, and by the way, I agree with him. But that doesn't mean that he's the guy to take you to the championship level. But who is that guy? Like, Look, Sports Talk Radio is great with this. It's the same with quarterbacks and coaches. Get rid of the guy. Okay, well, who are you going to get that's better? And we see it way too often. Teams fire coaches, and then they say, oh, crap, now what? Well, you get another option, and you just see what happens. You see if this second-round or third-round pick knocks your socks off, right. and if Dan- Dalton struggles, you have an option. Sure. That, that Those are options. And – Maybe you get rid of Jay Gruden. Maybe Gruden well, by the somehow way, gets one leave. of these Listen, jobs, right. and, and that changes things. I, I said to Solomon Wilcots on, on ATL yesterday, I said, if Jay Gruden gets another job, do you think the Bengals are upset? No. John Pagano <laughs> outcoached Jay Gruden Sunday, period. I think You had an hour and a half of real time where Andy Dalton didn't throw a single pass on something other than his back foot. I guarantee <laughs> you right now somewhere in northern Kentucky, he is on his back foot. plus we can get back to the point where mike brown's picking the quarterback because who's picked better than your boy mike brown the last few years i mean their draft class are you talking about the guy who went out on a limb to get david klingler and achilles smith hey we're gonna send send wesling down a dangerous wormhole um i once sat behind achilles smith's family at old riverfront stadium one night (laughs) oh they have I was explained so much. An an unknown, an unknown. Well, an anonymous. I'll keep him anonymous. Bengals player got me seats for the Browns and the Bengals, like a week fifteen disaster where both teams were heading to the top ten. Exactly. (laughs) I was in Chicago. I was working with the Bears. This is the late nineties. The Bears had to be the late nineties. Obviously, the Bears had the weekend off, and or or maybe they played a. I don't know what it was. I flew to Cincinnati. And sat in the Bengals player section behind like 15 people that had <laughs> Achilles Smith jerseys on. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it wasn't his family. Maybe Seems they fair. just all. Maybe there was a discount at the pro shop. And <laughs> they were. And he wasn't playing. He was hurt. Oh. And they were screaming and yelling and <laughs> dropping names on Tim Couch's. Oh God, it was out. How dare they? Glorious era. Um, okay. Glorious. Earlier. Moving forward. Earlier. This morning, we had the chance to speak with Brandon Marshall, a star-wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. He was doing the NFL AM tour, and then he came by and swung by the Studio 66, which was nice of him. Uh, the gold standard behind the glass, how are you, buddy? Yeah, doing fine, thanks. Good, good. Can you, uh, why don't you uh, let the people in on our conversation with Brandon? Yeah, why not? All right, we have a very special guest in Studio 66 right now. He is a five-time Pro Bowler. He is one of the best playmakers in the NFL. Chicago Bears wide receiver, Brandon Marshall. Brandon, welcome to the Around the League podcast. Thanks for having me, man. 
You are so better dressed than the rest of us right now. <laughs> it's <laughs> embarrassing. It's immediately created yeah. an awkward tension within the room. This is the, this is the good thing about podcasts. No one can see. I know. We're faces for radio and also yeah. uh, dress codes for radio. So, <clears throat> Brandon Marshall, welcome welcome to the podcast. Um, I guess to get going, I just I want to ask you because I know the Bears' loss that ended the season was pretty tough to swallow. Yeah. Was it hard for you to watch games this weekend after what had happened? You know what? It wasn't because I was in work mode. You know, I've been, yeah. uh, you know, on a little media tour, you know, this past week. So, you know, it's really helped me actually get over it, you know, keeping myself busy. Uh, it's really going to hit me when I go on vacation and it gets closer to the Super Bowl. And that's all of our dreams as players and organizations is to make it to one game, and that's the Super Bowl. And for us not to be there this year is disappointing, you know, but every year you got hope. So, you know, guys like myself, you know, halfway through my career, it's, uh, it's you know, you, you get a little uh, anxious. But I, I really believe in, in Chicago, you know, we'll get it done there. You know, you look at how that NFC North played out down the stretch. Crazy. Very strange, right? Crazy. Do you look at the Bears right now? Were, were you the best team in that division this year? No, we weren't. You know, I mean, if we were, we would we, probably still be playing. You know, um, you know, it's a disappointing year, you know, but we have something to build off of. Uh, I, I truly believe next year we'll be able to contend. Brandon, you know, as well as you played this year, I might be more impressed by your prognostication skills. Yeah. <laughs> With Jake Cutler, what was, like it about, yeah, what was it about Alshon Jeffrey so early in the season that you said he might be the best wide receiver in Bears history? No, I, it wasn't uh, this year. It was last year. You know, I, I think it started with Phil Emery drafting him um, uh, where he did. And, uh, you know, last year, you know, from his first OTA, this guy just swallowed the ball with his big hands and the way he caught it. So we were like, this guy can – you know, make plays. And then once you got into him a little bit, you understood, you know, his background in sports and how this guy really understands. He, he gets it, you know. And uh, as far as on a football side, he knows how to sit in zones. He, he, he knows how to use his body. You know, he's a basketball player. So uh, all that stuff really transferred over to the football field. And, uh, you know, he just got banged up last year. So he, he was no good for us. So getting him down to Florida with us last year was big for us in our, in, in, in our facility uh, to really give him what he needs to have a year like this year. It sure seemed for us on the outside that the Mark Tressman coming in, working with your quarterbacks and with, with your offense in general, and you, and the, you as the wide receivers had a, a giant change for the way you guys attacked opponents and, and all Sean's of production and yours. A, a lot of players after the season called out, Blake Constanzo called Tressman, a different kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, f- to adjust from Lovey to Tressman, what kind of coach is he? Why why would players call him different? Well, every you know, it's every coach is different, you know. I you know, unfortunately, I've been in a few different places and had so many different coaches, you know, from coach Shanahan to um McDaniel's, you know, to coach Sperano. Uh, and, and Lovey Smith, you know, they're all different. You know, uh, just just the way he approaches the game, uh, the way he prepares, the the way he teaches, it's, it's, it's just a, another guy. It's just, you know, all, all of us are unique. So, you know, um, he, he, if I had to really answer that, I would say, you know, his approach is, is a little different than a, a raw, raw football guy. When you see a football guy, you know, guys like Blake Gostanzo, he, he, he thinks football is all about, ah, you know, you know <laughs> no, you know, that's maybe in, in Pop Warner, you know, so Blake is one of our, our leaders and our special team captains, but he's a, he's a freaking uh, high motor guy, man, just so, 
uh, just he's, he's crazy out there. But uh, <laughs> and Coach Trust is opposite of him, so probably for him it, it, it seemed a little different. It, one of the weird things, Mark Sessler here, his favorite coach is Mark Trestman, but only because the C at the end of the first name. Really? That's kind of weird. That's not the only reason. <laughs> but you would think, really? We can go down that road, but that's not you accurate. You think like a <laughs> football <laughs> podcast guy would, would go beyond first name, but yeah. no. I'm being lambasted here. Not true. Uh, I think Tressman's a good coach. Though. So, it's all right. So, one, I want to ask you also another a wide receiver question. Jim Harbaugh came out. So Jim Harbaugh. Stop it. Don't even different go guys. there. Stop. Stop. You don't want to talk <laughs> about best catcher ever? No, I'm just saying stop. I knew where you were going. No, we were talking about it. Yeah. Oh, man. It, come on. You're really? a better catcher? Am I a better yeah. catcher? You know what? I, you know, I read this book a few years ago by Jim Collins, Good to Great. Some of us businessmen may have, may have read it, you know. But in it, you know, he did a, a case study on you know uh, the co- the companies that made the jump from Good to Great, and their comparison companies who didn't. And uh, what they found was the guys who stuck to the hedgehog was the guys who were successful. Mm-hmm. I know my hedgehog. My hedgehog <laughs> is hedgehog is sitting in zones, catching the ball, you know, and getting upfield. That's what makes me great. That's what makes me different and separates me. My thing is now I'm not going to make the one-handed catches. You know, uh, that's not on my highlight reel. You know, I have some big plays like that. You know, I can do it, but you know, that's not for me. So, you know, uh, to answer your question. You know, I said all of that, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to say, uh, you know, I, I don't really get into the hands thing. We, we all got good hands. Chris Carter is the best is the best catcher ever, though. Come on. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Larry Fitzgerald's gaining on him. No, 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 no. When you talk about hands, see, Larry Fitzgerald was the best. I don't think he is now. I'll give it to Alshon Jeffrey, but he was the best at tracking the deep ball and making those big plays mm-hmm. with two or three guys on him. You know, but as far as hands, man, Chris Carter catches still to this day, you know, catched off the jug machines, one hand, no gloves, behind <laughs> his back, between his legs. I'm being serious. I'm not even over-exaggerating. This guy is amazing what he can do. I mean, he takes his fingers and he, put it, he touches his wrist, bends them back. You know, it's, it's crazy. Can you do that? No, I can't. And he thinks it's he thinks it's all receivers to it. Like it's awesome. Like, bro, you were born like that. You know, really his hands, his mitts are huge. And and he's like, Bro, you need to be driving down the road every time stretching your hands out. It's just, I'm like, get out of here, Chris. Uh the big bears news, obviously, Jay Cutler signed three years fifty four million that which is guaranteed, which is pretty decent money. And then seven years one twenty six point seven. That's awesome. That brings a lot of stability to the organization, yeah. obviously, and I think Everyone in this room, at least the three of us, and I'm sure you do too, agree that was the move for the Bears to make. But a lot of also, there's another side of it. He's such a polarizing player. A lot of people said, wow, that just that sinks the Bears to mediocrity for the next several years. Why is Jay Cutler like this? Uh, or why is he perceived that way, I should say? Because we've been mediocre. You know, it started in Denver. We were mediocre. We didn't get it done there. Uh, they shipped us out. You know, uh, we separated for a little bit. And, you know, when you're looking at just Jay, you know, uh, get to Chicago and he's been he, – he hasn't gotten it done. You know, but, you know, people don't understand the most successful quarterbacks, you know, they have receivers, they have offensive linemen, they have, you know, offensive coordinators. Jay had a different offensive coordinator, been in a different system almost every other year, every year. You know, he hasn't had Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett. You know, he hasn't had those guys are offensive line. 
You know, we went from the, the one of the worst offensive lines a year ago to a top five, you know, O-lineman protecting the, the quarterback. So, you know, now he has that. And then he has Mark Trestman, your favorite coach. You know, <laughs> and we know why now. But he has him, someone who stimulates him every day, challenges him, put him in uncomfortable positions to make him better. And before he got hurt, we saw, you know, his numbers – you know, on pace to be the best he's ever had. So, you know, I think we made the right decision. I love the way Phil Emery, uh, he got it done. You know, uh, you know, he didn't let it drag out into the offseason. No distractions for the team. It was like, hey, this is our guy and we're moving forward. And that's why I love being a Bear. You're obviously tied to Jay now for the foreseeable future. Is there any one of the young quarterbacks in the NFL that you would most like to play with? No, you know, I'm not going to answer that question because if I, you know, the the, the headlines was going to read, Brandon right. Marshall wants to play with. <laughs> Did you see the right. gears in Wes's head? <laughs> yeah, right. That's how I get yeah. Brandon in a big spot. Yeah. Well, I know you weren't going. For, I want. I know you weren't going for that, but I know if I answer that, you're not going to be like, "Oh, Brandon Marshall wants to play with this guy." And then I have to, you know, put out some fire. So let's move. That's on wise. To the next That's one. wise. Do you feel like in your career that you've been, you know, misunderstood? No, hex no. Been freaking all over the place and so much trouble man uh freaking lost but now you know it's good because i can take those experiences and give them to the younger guys in the locker room even some older guys man it's like hey man that's not the road you want to go down um and what's pretty cool is that you know now i can identify you know people who are struggling or suffering in silence so um i'm really excited about where i'm at right now as far as in the leadership role and and how I can, you know, pour into other guys' lives. Brandon Marshall, thank you very much for joining us. What do you have planned? I know you're going on vacation. Yeah. Um, are you Are you going to be at Super Bowl week in New York? Or you know what I am? I got a crazy schedule. Uh, I've been working the past um, week or so, and uh, I'm gonna do that up until vacation. Um, you know, you know, I'm really just trying to prepare. You never know when you're gonna, you know, that jersey's gonna be ripped off your back. So I'm, I, you know, this is something I want to get into. You're a businessman. Uh, yeah, man. Just you know, you got to prepare. You got to you got to start planning. You know, a few years out. Um, but for me, man, after you know the whole month of January is vacation and a little bit of work, and February I'm back to it. Uh, I really believe I had a down year. I didn't have a chance to to really work. Uh, I had a surgery, so that put me back. And I didn't really like the way my game was last year, so I'm going hard, and I'm really going to just revamp my whole game and come back a totally different player, something you guys never seen before. Kind of like an artist, like a musician. You know how they say, this next album is going to be killer. <laughs> this next album, you guys aren't going to know anything. It's going to be the thriller. Gonna be totally different. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is how I'm doing my game. Like I'm an artist. I'm approaching like I'm an artist. I like this. Uh, yeah. Know? Awesome, man. <laughs> All right, that is Brandon Marshall. He's delivering the thriller of NFL seasons. I like it. <laughs> can, we name, can we name my next my next season the thriller let's do it we let's will. do it we're gonna push it's on the very map. hard now thriller. all right brandon marshall thank you very much thanks guys a nice fellow wasn't he very uh, open very charming wesley wasn't <laughs> that excited to you know he doesn't like to talk to the players he's kind of like that guy who just wants to sit behind his computer and you know i had to pep up, get him excited about Shots it fired. and then you weren't too excited about it either i had to watch my daughter this morning it was a bad <laughs> bad time Mark, what did i'm just saying wasn't it wasn't it fun talking with brandon it, it was more fun than then I thought it would be. You're right. I, if I had my druthers, I would not be like interviewing players. <laughs> Why? Is this really better what they have for like say. a performance review? Wow. Why is what this happening on the podcast right now? Right. Yes. Poor Brandon Marshall. Well, if he that, ever no. listens to this, this is a, a rather brutal I, outro to I that. I like Brandon. He was great. I he said was he great. was charming. He was great. He's charming. He's introspective. Um, he's self-deprecating. 
Um, but at the same time, he knows he's damn good. It's an uh, it's a rare combination of someone who is willing to admit his shortcomings when he's a pro bowler, yet at the same time carry himself confidently where you you know he knows. You can tell he's he at a very comfortable place yes. in his life. Far more so than he was three, four years ago, right. or even a year ago. And he uh, gave an honest answer about Cutler. We said basically – Listen, are, is this an average team right now with Cutler? And, and, he, and he said, we've been that way up to this point. I mean, he didn't pull any punches or, you know, lace too much on to Cutler's play. All right, so here we go. We move forward now to the divisional playoffs. And, you know, three of the games are rematches of games that were played in the last two months, which is pretty interesting. Um, the other is a rematch from last year. That's the Colts-Patriots game. Uh, so we figured this would be a good time to talk about what has changed between these teams uh, since the last time they met. And, uh, Greg, I'll start with you. San Diego Chargers and Denver Broncos, of course, that Thursday night game when Phillip Rivers' bolo became hugely um, influential in the culture. Uh, what is the difference between that team, Chargers team, and now? Or is there? I don't think there's – that. this is the one game of the three rematches where I don't think – that much has changed, and we haven't learned that much. When was the last time we saw Denver in a game that really mattered? That was it. So they've they've been getting ready for this sort of game for a month, and yeah, they had to beat a couple of the worst teams in the NFL to get home field advantage, but I don't feel like I learned too much about them there. This Chargers team, you talked about it, you wrote about it, Mark, how they are the biggest run-heavy team in the league right now. They have a quarterback playing at a very high level, and they have a defense that's completely different than they were early in the season. And it really started uh, the week before that Denver game. They shut down the Giants. They did a great job shutting down the Broncos. That was the fewest yards the Broncos have had in the game all season. Top two. They're, they're two fewest. This isn't even English. The games in which they <laughs> had the fewest yards, the top two, were both against San Diego. So they they know what they need to do against Denver. This is more a game where... Denver's been getting ready for this moment now for a month, and we'll see. I don't think much has changed. The Chargers are the same. The Broncos didn't have Wes Welker for that game. True. Andre Caldwell played the slot and I believe led the team in targets, yards, and touchdowns. You know who had a good game that night? Von Miller. Not Not there. Not Not in the mix. Wesley Wood, you're benched. Their defense is different. Iannaccio's not always on the field. There's there's such big questions about this Broncos defense, whether they can be middle of the pack or whether they're awful. Because you would have thought the Broncos had the advantage defense, uh, the better defense. But right now, you have to say the Chargers probably have the, the better defense. The Broncos' middling defense, below average defense, has been, I think, one of the most overlooked storylines of this entire NFL season. They went 6-0 and without Von Miller out of the gate. And ah, the hell with them. They don't need them. They're fine because <laughs> the attention, well-deserved, was on Peyton and the offense. They are statistically, I believe, the greatest offense in the history of the National Football League. Highest scoring, right? Right. So, you know, the defense ain't that good. And the lineup shuffling that you referred to there in this, the last month, that has all flown under the radar. It was, you know, we focus so much about Vaughn and Champ Miller and the, his uh, – Champ Bailey, rather, in the first couple of months – uh, the, we, we've totally overlooked this. I mean, cons- consider years past when the Saints defense has been that bad, when the Patriots and Giants defenses a couple of years ago going to the Super Bowl were historically bad for two teams to make it to the final round. Pay attention to this defense. Now, it's not historically bad. It's not Packer bad from last week. It's not Bears bad from two weeks ago. But they're going to run the ball. 
It's, I, I don't think they could outscore Peyton, but they're going to run the ball. San Diego running the ball 40 times per game over the last, like, five games or so. Do you see them just – you see them doing the same exact they thing? They have to. I mean, yeah. they, they, they have to. The, Philip threw the ball six – LT and I were talking about this yesterday. I uh, know. Philip threw the ball six times in the first half. <laughs> 16 times that. total. I mean, you Eight, don't see Rivers games like that. Oh, but but then on that drive in the third quarter, I think he went 6 of 7 or 7 of 8 or something like that. So when they had to, they had to. He converted on third down when he had to. I, I, one of my favorite people in the NFL, one of my favorite stories of this postseason, the fact that Phillip Rivers got in. He was left for dead a year ago. And and now look at this guy. Uh, love the bolo tie. Love the attitude. Love everything about him. <laughs> and I, I think it's not just – one game that they went to Denver and one that, that we're looking at. I think the fact that they've played two games and both of them played out in very similar ways, yeah. almost the exact same score. Except People de- forgot how close the first one except was. Except Denver won the first yeah. one 28-20. to 20. But the stats in that game uh, are crazy. The, the Chargers had the ball for 38 minutes of that game. And so they did what they wanted to do. They just weren't as good in the red zone and on third down, you know, converting into touchdowns. But that's what they wanted to do. But in 22 minutes of offense, Denver still had nearly 400 yards. Right. They're not going to shut down the Broncos, but they can slow them down. Got to keep them off the field. The old Tech Mobile. It's a method. tough matchup for the Broncos. It, it, I like it. It legitimately is. And, and, but I don't think there's – I mean – we could do Patriots, Hayden. Chargers, AFC Championship, rematch <laughs> of OA. He's excited. this game at home. <laughs> Come on. You, do we really think Peyton's losing this game at home? No. No, but I, I think didn't think they were losing to the Ravens last year either, though. No, I didn't. That was this. Is, can you even imagine what happens if the Broncos don't get this done on <laughs> Sunday? Is I mean, how disastrous would that be for Manning's legacy? They would, would you be able to fit Damashek's head in the newsroom after that? <laughs> they would can, go fourteen and two next day. year and do the same thing. <laughs> All right, moving on. We have the San Francisco 49ers uh, facing the Carolina Panthers. I think we talked about it on Sunday night that the Niners were. Perhaps the NFL's best team right now, going from six and four to thirteen and four, rolling, played a great game in Green Bay, and now they face a, a Panthers team that earned the home field advantage and uh, had that very close contest in November, a ten nine win that really kind of got a lot of people on the bandwagon to understand how good this team possibly is. The Panthers, how much have these teams changed since that game? I mean, the first thing for me, obviously, Crabtree. What we saw last week, it looks like he's back at a level where Kaepernick is trusting him. He threw, he threw to Crabtree 13 times. He threw to Davis and Bolden a combined 13 times. So the way that they're moving the ball through the air has changed, and Kaepernick looked frisky as well. This is the game where the most has changed. Vernon Davis sat out most of that game with a concussion too. Mario Manningham led that team in receiving yards. He's on an injured reserve. Mm-hmm. Alden Smith was a non-factor in that game. Is playing better the last few weeks than he, has, than he has maybe in his career. This right? is the best game. I mean, in terms of just pure matchup, this is the best game. I think a lot of us think if there's a road team, I don't know about you guys, if there's a road team that I would would really favor this week, it would be the Niners. But that that makes it sad as if you're somehow disrespecting, which I hate that word, (laughs) um, the Panthers or think less of the Panthers. I don't. We don't know about Steve Smith. He says he's going to play. I assume he will, but how effective he is, I have no idea. The Niners are just on a roll. I mean, you want your stereotypical, here's the hot team, ride them. They've won seven straight. Kaepernick has been, I don't want to say great in all seven, but collectively his numbers in all seven are great. And, I mean, they're on, again, another cliche. They're on a mission. 
Um, I like the Niners here, but uh, again, that's sounding like I'm, and they have all the playoff experience too. Newton is such an X factor too. I mean, is is he ready for this stage? Is it? Can you foresee a, a, a scenario where he kind of stinks out the joint, <laughs> and you know the, all the questions come back about what's Cam Newton all about, or has he made the leap now to the point where we can count on him playing at a very high level when the stage is? He hasn't. This big. He hasn't for six weeks. He didn't against the 49ers. But he's been good on third down. He's been good in key yeah. spots. And late this, in the game. This isn't a good offense. It's a worse offense than it was with Rob Chudzinski last year. And I think that game, that was typical. That wasn't typical, but it wasn't a good Cam Newton game. But he made a couple great plays on third down where he escaped out of the pocket, made a few great throws. They end up scoring 10 points and they win the game. And he gets credit because he's played big in the big moments. But. But think of what their offense has done over the last five or six weeks. They had that game in New Orleans where they were awful. They had the game against the Jets where it was all running. It, they were okay, but they, it was almost all running. And they had some struggling performances against New Orleans, against Atlanta. In the final week, they needed home field advantage. Their offense scored 14 points. They didn't move the ball all day. They, they won that game in Atlanta because of a botched snap by Matt Ryan. It's just been a while. We haven't seen Cam Newton and this offense get better. It they, hasn't been better than from week one to week to I now. agree, but the defense yeah. is, is phenomenal. Good. And to me, we've been talking about this all year. Earlier in the year, we thought the pan- it sounded so odd to say the Panthers needed to get the ball in Ted Ginn's hands. Yeah. And at this <laughs> point in the season, weird. they still need to get the ball in Ted Ginn's hands, and that's a disastrous place for an offense to be. <laughs> Their running game is great, though, and I think that's gotten better. I think D'Angelo Williams looks better. They use Tolbert well. They're not afraid to run Cam Newton call runs for him. So, I mean, in in their mind, they'd probably love to play like the Chargers and run the ball 35, 40 times. I, I think the Niners will legitimately have trouble moving the football against yeah, the Panthers. I agree. Their defense I, is incredible. Yeah, this is not – I mean, I don't know if it's 10-9 to 9 again, but this is not 31-28 to 28 in any way, shape, or form. And Charles Johnson's another one. He was healthy for this game the first time around, yep. but he was not himself for a five-week stretch. Came back and he and Greg Hardy combined for five sacks and eight hurries in the season finale. They they were pretty good. I think we all want to see. I mean, I think fans want to see the Niners and the Seahawks round three. We wanted it last year. We didn't get it. I I think we. You're waving your arms, Greg. But I I, <laughs> I think we're gonna get it. But I don't think anyone would be shocked if Carolina goes to Seattle. Well, the Panthers yeah. are the unofficial team of the Around the League podcast. So I don't know if. You guys are probably all taking the Niners anyway, but I'm I'm sticking by these pants. I want them to oh. win at the very least. I can't. Even I, if I don't buy it, I want them to win. I literally – I was sitting in the cozy uh, bar nearby on Sunday watching the game, drinking Diet Coke, of course, and – You could say you were having beer. I, w- I was watching the game drinking beer. No, because I came Sunday on later and did a 19. podcast Sunday night. you got to be responsible. Okay. You could have a drink. Anyway, no, I'm watching the game, and I picked the Packers last week, and – and I watched. I saw these Jim Harbaugh sideline shots, and I was like, I hated myself. I was like, how did I pick against Jim Harbaugh in a wild card game against a middling Packers team? I will not get caught again. I'm going to pick Jim Harbaugh teams at least until next Sunday. <laughs> you know, Rich Eisen, that is, made such a big point during game day final about the fact that Harbaugh was wearing khakis in the 14 <laughs> below with the windshield, which, again, it takes a man to wear. I hope he had long johns underneath, underneath there. He has no other options. You but, open up a suitcase, that's all it is. It's khakis and black right. shirts. Here, here's my issue. They were pleated khakis. Come on, yeah. dude. Right. It's 2014. 
Nobody yeah. no, nothing says old man more than pleated it, khakis. It upset my wife enough. She the text, pleated thing? She texted me about so it. Why go. is he layering from the front to back sort of? Because he, he must have had something other. Why is he starting with khakis and then moving back from there? Because he had to have some layers Khakis do not provide good <laughs> insulation from no. the cold. Khakis on top of khakis, however. Ooh, I love multiple. their first album. <laughs> they were great. And the drummer left. Um, yeah, whenever the drummer leaves, it's bad. All right, we'll move on. The Saints are heading to Seattle. The last time these two teams played, a 34-7 whooping. Uh, a, a tough game there for the for the Saints, and now they need to go back there and somehow prove themselves as a true road team. I know they did it this past week. Are they you know what ha- you know what else happened last time these two what? teams played? You gave the Lombardi Trophy to the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, that's right. You said not only that they were going to win the Super Bowl, the in Michael a Lombardi, convincingly. Trophy. Yes, the Michael Lombardi. Trophy. Wait, and and I've been proven wrong. I, I see no, already. No, but they have been, they have <laughs> right, lost the game at home since then. You're saying they're. You said just put them in the Super Bowl, and they're going to win. My prediction. By a you know what? I did too. Well, I'll be honest. Way, I did too. All right, and uh, I don't back down. What I said: yeah. the NFC was going to be a struggle. They're going to they're going to be tough playoff games. Once they get out of that, and they are to me the best team in the league, they will then take care of business in the Super Bowl. We'll have our first route in some time. Your logic is with intact. The Lombardi. You're, and I don't you're understand. Fine. Yeah, you're, I, you're trying so to pin far. me on this. No, no, so I'm not. Don't let not a yet. cardinal victory up there knock you from your conviction. I will not. These two bullies. It's not going to happen, buddies. Bullies? You bullies. Let's get to the games. But listen, if Sean Payton, and listen, Sean Payton played every single ounce of they don't respect us in the (laughs) entire state of Louisiana last week, and it worked. I worked by one Shane Graham field goal, but it worked. And I'm going to talk to Ben Watson later today. My question is, what does he have left? Hmm. What, What else? I mean, what's behind door number two? You, you you changed your sweatsuits last week. You changed the flavor of your Gatorade last week. They, um, I believe <laughs> they they left at a different time. They there was something about beefy Mac or something. They changed something. I'm, I'm not Green kidding. Gatorade uh, on the training table. Everything. So you played that card last week. What card is there now? Sean Payton's good at it. He's very good at it. <laughs> He does, really is. That's why they're good. That's why he wins. Does that stuff, does that even matter, it, though? I don't know. To the mind of a player, it does. Maybe. I mean, look, if I have to hear one more time, I joked before about I hate the word disrespect. They disrespected us. <laughs> I have asked, and we all have, countless players over the years, veteran players, and I say to them, when does that get old? Because there has to be an, a, a point in your career, you reach a certain age, a certain level of tenure, where it just doesn't work anymore, where the coach is playing the here's what this guy said card, and you say... I I mean, come on, really? (laughs) And they said, it never gets old. (laughs) Seriously. said, oh, we get it that it's just stupid Jedi mind tricks. Yeah, during the summer when I'm sitting on the beach having a Mai Tai, I get it that it's nonsense. But that (laughs) week, it works. It has to work because it's the only thing that possibly fuels you to go out there and run 100 miles Mm. an hour and hit somebody on Sunday. So... Here's hoping for Sean Payton and works again. Well, how about the plan that let's not have Drew Brees, one of the greatest quarterbacks of this generation, throw for 3.9 yards in one of his worst games of the in season? In a decade. Right. He, in a decade. He's capable of playing outstanding in any game. I don't care where it is. The Seahawks, I saw this from Chase Stewart earlier today. Since the 1970 merger, their pass defense is the second best adjusted for era. 
Sounds right. So that's what hasn't changed since then. Mm-hmm. What has changed, uh, the Seahawks' passing attack in the last four games, it's the worst four-game stretch of their season. Hmm. Percy Harvin looks like he might be coming back. I don't know if he's a savior. You can't expect him to play, after not playing all year, yeah. to be their number one receiver. So we don't know what he's going to do. Um, you would think 20 snaps maximum even if he did play. Has that. a team ever been this good without a legitimate number one receiver? It's a good question. Patriots in 03, well, 04. Most Patriot teams, yeah, before yeah. Moss. Yeah, I guess. But you, I think you hit it on the head that there has to be concern with the offensive line in Seattle. New Orleans' defense is coming off one of their best games of the year. They held a very good offense, 256 yards. Russell Wilson has four touchdowns and three interceptions over the last four weeks. It's not a great offense. You know, the Seattle yeah. offensive line finds a way to survive against most teams not named the Rams. Mm. They, they generally will find a way. You guys should get Darren Sharper on. I don't think we could discount the, uh, the Saints' past failures in that building in the postseason for some of the Sean Payton motivational stuff this week either. Yeah. I mean, and going back to that game, how does that not leave a mark to go into Seattle, when, what was it, a month ago, a little over a month ago, and get completely trounced? That, that sticks with the team, doesn't it? Yeah, like the 2010 Jets. Well, that or was, was that, Or the 2013-12 Ravens. There's only so much you can do with that. The this, this Seahawks are a better team. And they ju- they just don't lose in that place. All right, uh, moving forward. The the other game is the Colts heading to New England to face the Patriots. They did not play this year. The last time they played was November 18th, 2012. That was a 59-24 Patriots win. I remember that as the game where Gronk hurt himself on the extra point attempt. Oh, that was the game he got hurt. Yeah, and uh, you know that led to issues for months and months and now years. Greg, uh, you have a takeaway from that, though, don't you? The Patriots' defense is worse somehow than it was back last year. And the whole reason I picked the Patriots of the Super Bowl before the season, other than I'm a homer, is I thought the defense would be much better. And it started out this way. But now here, Brandon Spikes, their best run-stopping linebacker, is suddenly out for the Which season. kind of came out of nowhere. Totally came out of nowhere. He played every game this year. They're missing, of course, Vince Wilfork, Tommy Kelly, Jared Mayo. That's all their run-stopping. They're one of the worst de- they're probably the worst defense that's left in the playoffs. I would say they're even worse than the Broncos. So this Patriots team has to score 51, 59 points again. That's that's the type of, of game I think this is going to have to be for them. I, I do think I agree with you on the analysis of their defense, but do we agree on this? Bill Belichick will, with Aqib Tlaib and God knows who else, find a way – to take T.Y. Hilton out of the game. I don't agree with that. You don't agree with that? I think that's what he'll game plan to do. I think Aqib Tlaib has not been the same player since he re-injured his hip, and he's been taken advantage of on defense the last two months. And T.Y. Hilton isn't a guy where where just bodying him will work. You've got to run with him. How how they call the game is going to matter. We saw a lot of people getting away with a lot of contact. That would play in the Patriots' favor. Pass interference went away this past weekend. I think we all agree. Yeah. Passenger, no, seriously. <laughs> no, yeah, no I mean, that's a good point. I, I'm not suggesting that these were hockey refs, and nor am I criticizing the officials. But in hockey over the years, and I'm not a hockey fan, obviously in the playoffs, even in the NBA, everything changes with the officiating. The NFL doesn't like to say that it does. And generally, as a rule, I don't think that it does. But we saw a lot of contact in all four games this past weekend. Um 
and they got away with it. If if you can do that on T.Y. Hilton, and it I certainly helps the Patriots. There are a lot of lockdown corners, of which Aqib Tlaib is when he's at his best, who are physical and do well against big-body receivers. It's another thing to cover a jitterbug like yeah. T.Y. Hilton. Or it's a lot harder for those guys to shut shut him down. Or I'm trying to think of a – like this. there's a scenario where the Bengals were going into New England and you're dealing with Andy Dalton. That would have been New England going straight to the AFC title game in my book. I'm trying to think of a quarterback east of Peyton Manning that I would want to face less than Andrew Luck right See, now. See, but I think the Bengals' defense was far it was a more difficult matchup. Mike Zimmer's a more difficult matchup, sure. and that's all due respect to Chuck Pagano for Tom Brady than this Colts defense. Patriots have had trouble with mobile quarterbacks, getting them on the ground. They have no pass rush right now. They have Chandler Jones and Rob Ninkovich. It's not bad, but they're not great, and they don't like to blitz because they don't like to expose their back end at this point. Colts can't run the ball, though. If you love— They could on the Patriots. I think they can on the Patriots. If you love epic football games, root for a close game because Andrew Luck— is 15-2 and two in one-score st- one game since he came into the league. <laughs> the next closest team is 7-3-1, and one, the 49ers. And Tom Brady, as far as I'm concerned, has made an art out of the one-minute drill. So if you like close this games, this should be fun. Well, I hate close games. I, I hate them, too. They <laughs> suck. I, I said yesterday, the and I, let's play the put Andrew Luck on the 20 teams that didn't make the playoffs game, and you tell me if they make the playoffs. They all do. They all do. Do the Browns make the playoffs with Andrew Luck? Yes. Yeah. Do the Cardinals? They were good enough with Carson Palmer. Yeah, sure. Yep. The Cardinals are probably a Super Bowl contender do, with do Andrew the, Luck. Do the Bucks? Yes. There's yeah. no way the Texans lose 14 in a row with Andrew Luck. I don't know nope. if they make the playoffs. I there bet are they some, do. There's some mad mojo there. You put Andrew Luck <laughs> and J.J. Watt on the same team, they're making the playoffs. Yeah. I, I mean, the guy's unreal. Unfreaking real. Totally agree. He is or, or, or uh, flip it around. Where are the Colts? And I'm not I'm not kidding. Where are the Colts with Brandon Whedon? Two, oh, two wins. Picking, three wins. Picking seven. So let's draft. say they weren't picking first last year. Let's say they were picking fifth. Let's say they go Trent Richardson and they take Brandon Whedon in the second round. Not there, uh, a lot of angry tweets from Jim Irsay. They're circling the toilet as a franchise. They are. Yeah, because I don't know. We talked about the game last year. I don't know if their defense is any better. At this point, I think it's worse. It was good early this season. And they season. lose Toller now this week as well. Right, and their linebackers are very slow. I mean, the Chiefs killed them with, with throwing those short passes, especially to the running backs. The Patriots are great at doing that. But, Andrew, in that equation, Cleveland has traded its first-round pick for Trent Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Trent Richardson's greatest contribution last week, and listen, I hope it works out for the kid. I really do. But uh, was when the end crashed on the fourth down, they bought the, they yeah. bought the dive, That's and right. luck went for 20. Yeah. Right? His best contribution. Uh, Andrew, since you will not be with us on Thursday when we will be making our predictions for this week, we would love to hear what is your AFC and NFC title game prediction. Okay, I- I'm going to go the matchups. I'm not going to go with the chalk. The chalk would be Carolina at Seattle. I'm going to go with the games that I think America wants to see. I'm going to go with the Niners winning in Carolina, the Seahawks somehow getting by because I think the Saints are a legitimate threat there, regardless of what the numbers show you. I'm just going on emotion here. Um, so I think it's the Seattle-San Francisco round three that America wants. Mm. And I do think, not just because this would be the TV ratings game of the decade, I do think we get Brady v. Manning 
Mm. Round 15. Uh, yummy. For the right to go to the Super Bowl. I know it's <laughs> I what I would right. like to see. I would, too. I, mean, that I was hoping it for awesome. it last year, too. But This is what happens. But think of the alternative. I do think Denver's oh, going to win. They're both juicy. The Andrew Luck at Peyton Manning? As long as you're right, as <laughs> long lose. as the Broncos win, we're we you're not getting. I mean, yeah. you are getting the wake the neighbors or wake the kids, call the neighbors game of the century, <laughs> or even better, the Pagano Bowl in Indianapolis. I no, wait, that's that. not better. I call it during the season. I always call it, it's our weekly game of the year because every week in the NFL, and, and it's you sound we're like masterful Greg. this way. It is. We have a weekly game of the year. If you get Brady. The Manning. I mean, that is your weekly game of the well, year the only of difference the decade between, of the century. The only difference between your games of the year and Greg's is that yours does not involve Matt Schaub. Whereas oh, most of it. Greg's <laughs> involve Matt Schaub. <laughs> Why does he always look sad? There's plenty of reasons. And sleepy. A lot of pick sixes. Sleepy. Um, <laughs> says a guy that obviously I need makeup to go on TV. So. <laughs> Andrew Siciliano, he is the pulse of the NFL media newsroom. <laughs> uh, he, you can find him at Andrew Siciliano on Twitter. And he is the host of the Around the League live telecast which airs 6 p.m. Eastern time. Telecast. Uh, I like that. Telecast. That's old school. I would, love, I would love you, Andrew, if you could tell people who haven't watched Around the League live what it's about. It is a little different than your typical football Jabba talk. Uh, it is uh, 6 o'clock for yours truly. The great Lindsay Rhodes, or as we like to call her, television's Lindsay Rhodes, does the 7 o'clock Eastern time hour called Around the League primetime. Uh, some have compared it to... Um, Wolf Blitzer, yet without a beard, in that we have the giant video walls there. We have all the reporters, uh, mm. Albert Breer, Jeff Dolphington, um, all our great reporters in the field. Kimberly, well, he's, took in me a second. He's, he's in Miami all the time. Kimberly Jones, Aditi, who am I leaving out? Ian, Desmond Purnell, Steve Cyphers. Uh, Omar Ruiz, I'm missing somebody Randy Moss? Here. Hey, Ran- you, you Randy had, Moss. You had me at Wolf Blitzer without okay. the beard. That's we have all, all our reporters <laughs> in giant video walls, and... We do exactly that. We go around the league. Um, you know and, what? Uh, Forget pulse of the newsroom. This is the conscience of the NFL. And you, know, and you know what Dan likes? Sometimes oh, you have John McClain on, too. Oh, uh, John, John McClain. Oh, yeah. That's right, Andrew. <laughs> John, John McClain. Uh, I'm happy he survived this season. You talk about great follows on Twitter. Oh, yeah. John McClain during a Texans game or oh, his yeah. alma mater, a Baylor game. <laughs> oh, he is. I mean, I, he all but tells people to go kill themselves. Right. The word <laughs> apoplectic comes to mind. Yeah. Or, like, or when he's live tweeting his day on the set at Spring Breakers, which he has he's a been speaking like role. He's he has been a speaking in, role. He's been in more movies than Ralph Macchio. <laughs> if you, a masterwork of Twitter was, I believe it was the game the day before Kubiak finally got uh, fired. It was a loss to the Jaguars, I yeah, believe. Yeah, Thursday night. And that was a Hall of Fame Twitter performance by McClain. Him and Vito Stellino. Went at it, Vito. In, the, in the press Vito's box. Vito's a little feisty. Yeah, well, John McClain's feisty. John McClain will... <laughs> I mean, he'll say this is a disgusting performance. The Texans should be embarrassed to even go home and see their families. And that's like some of his tame stuff. (laughs) Seriously. Um, For a guy named – I mean, I'm convinced that Yippie Kaye, that John McClain, Bruce Willis, was named after this John (laughs) McClain. Yes. We should should try to get John on the show. Anyway, so thank you very much, Andrew, for coming on. We will be back on Thursday, and we'll talk more about these games, any coaching moves or any other NFL news that happens. If Ric Flair changes allegiance again, we're <laughs> going to cover all that stuff. Uh, until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, the gold standard. Now I know how to say your last name, too, Dan. <laughs> <laughs>
Yes, and that's a big gainer too. And Andrew Siciliano. Until Thursday. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Vosh at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.